sunbenders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. And last week, of course, we recapped episode six of The Last Airbender and got to reconnect with the wonderful Kevin Michael Richardson. And in this episode, we are joined by not one, but two incredible guests. Yes, indeed, my friend. So I feel like in past episodes of Braving the Elements of the podcast, you and I have already made it like extremely clear that while we both have a bit of a background in dance, I mean, definitely you more than me, I've had a little martial arts training, and by a little, I mean a little. Dante, remind me, have you had any training in martial arts? I'm an orange belt in the style of Kajin Kembo. Orange belt, Barney. All right. Respect the orange belt. You guys, the guests, don't laugh. I see you laughing. Listen, it's okay. First of all, yes, wear your orange belt with pride. But second of all, the whole point of all of this is just kind of me establishing that, like, we've made it clear that neither one of us are going to be, you know, busting any of Zuko and Korra's moves in real life anytime soon or possibly anytime in the future, period. Right? I mean, that's fair. I've taken some kickboxing classes and I was looking kind of sexy. I like a spinning... Flying spinning kick, that was really <laughs> sexy. I, don't, I, feel, I feel good about yeah, it. Yeah, I like a flying spinning kick. I also feel sexy when I am doing those moves. I at no time felt that way when we were recording because anything that I tried to approximate that was even close to any kind of move involved me knocking against the microphone or like bonking my face into it and generally being laughed at by the people behind the glass when we were recording. So we are not the martial arts experts that we might like to be. We are very lucky that we do have the main two minds behind how the show looked the way that it did as far as all of the bending, the fighting, the martial arts goes. I want to get down to the dirty of like each element, each style, where it comes from. Yeah, a small, small task. We are going to be informed, educated, and wowed by none other than Brian Konetsko and Sifu Kisu. Hello, welcome. <laughs> yes, so good to see both of it's, you guys. It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. I, I also have to be clear, I am not a martial arts expert, and, and so that has to be gotten out of the way early. Um, but <laughs> I, If I made it sound like you yourself, you were an expert in terms of every move as represented by our show then I agree that I misspoke. However, <laughs> I just want to be clear. I don't need people challenging me on the streets or anything. So I, I just had to get that out of the way. I'm a, I'm a brittle right. little human. So, uh, I have an orange belt. To... If you need me, Brian, I got I heard that, about that orange belt. I'm packing that orange belt. I'm ready to rock. It's Fire Nation color, and I just stopped at orange. That's what I decided. Brian's got a black belt and pencil. Uh, maybe, hey. maybe a blue, maybe a blue belt. Um, hey. But, but yeah. But what you said is accurate. I mean, Kisu and I worked together with many of the other artists and animators to visualize the, the martial arts and the bending in the Avatar world. And as an animator, as a storyboard artist, and as a co-showrunner with Mike, you know, I was very much curating the movement. And, and that that's actually how I, I found Kisu. What was the process like? Like, okay, you've gotten a green light for the pilot. By the time that happened, had you already sort of had a sense of like, I'm going to need to do this. I'm going to need to research it. I'm going to need to know what we're talking about. Or had you already kind of started marinating on all of that, Brian? We met when you were developing, right? Yeah, we weren't even at the pilot stage. Um, one of the first things I did, you know, just, just having worked on a few animated projects, you know, series before 
we got to create Avatar. There was a trend to, I think there's montages on YouTube of like how many animated shows and properties have copied that one uh, motorcycle slide from Akira, you know, like Turtles and everybody, everybody has done that thing. And, you know, there was a tendency when a show did have martial arts, there was no framework in place to get movement you know original movement for that animation and so the animators who are generally just kind of fans and nerds of you know pop culture stuff would just take some oh this is my favorite clip from some famous movie and then try to draw the characters doing that movement and i i was like "Ah, that might be okay for a one-off or like a tribute an homage like hey i want you to know that i am quoting this jackie chan movement or something i knew that we could not do a series that way and i didn't want to I wanted this to be a Kung Fu series. In order to do that, very soon after we pitched it to Nickelodeon, even before we had a contract, I said, okay, well, I'm going to be the Robert De Niro of TV animators and go train this myself (laughs) because I wanted to understand the movement. And knowing as an animator, even you don't have to be a master of these things, but you have to at least have felt it. You have to understand some body mechanics. I was very into yoga at the time. And I had grown up doing martial arts and, and really loved it uh, when I was young. What and, belt are we talking, and... Brian? What belt are we talking? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's the thing. Keith, you and I talked about the, the belt system back in the day, and I, I, I don't want to... <laughs> it's not great. Want, I'm we, with you. It's not, it's not a great system. We don't need to get, in, we don't need to get into all that, but, but um, I will say that my strip mall school gave me a belt far higher than I probably deserved as an 11-year-old. <laughs> twig strip mall school did you train with master Wu? i trained yeah sort of no (laughs) and what directly led me to find kisu is that subtlety is probably the most difficult thing for us to convey in the animation it is it's so hard on a tv schedule and budget and with all the episodes overlapping to convey like really subtle animation you know things tend to be broad and, and need to be to read so knowing the little bit I knew about different martial arts styles, I thought we needed one that was very balletic, very big, dynamic, really big changes between the poses so that this could read. So initially, I was not thinking of four different styles for each hmm. element. I was just thinking, wow, that's yeah, I was wow. thinking we just need something that's going to read you know, really clearly and, and be really strong. Um, and so in researching different styles from a, a layperson's outside perspective, I, I learned about Northern Shaolin and I thought, okay, I think this fits the bill. You know, I think this, this is just so explosive and dynamic and it's really going to read. And so I was in Los Angeles and I looked up a few teachers who advertised that they taught this or taught similar styles and talked with a few of them. And, but here's the thing. I didn't just need a martial arts master i needed someone who could be creative with it who could come with us on this imaginative journey and and think of these arts these traditional historic arts in a creative manner i met a few interesting characters and there's a my roommate and i went and tried out a free couple of bad experiences too yeah we we went to a strip mall school where uh this guy thought oh yeah I'll, i'll impress you by beating you guys up he and his like uh, <laughs> black belt, you know, top students like kind of roughed us up and then shoved us into the back office and tried to force us to sign contracts and stuff. And I was like, 
okay, yeah, this one's not going <laughs> to work out. And then Bakisu was training in his backyard. And I was like, I'm going to go check this out. You know, I feel like this this person is really interesting. And he has an interesting background and he actually has worked in entertainment. And so I went and trained in his backyard with this small, dedicated group of students. And for weeks, months, I didn't really bring up the show. I might have like kind of mentioned it, but we didn't really talk about it. It was really, I was just there to be a student and learn. And Kisu, can you give us what was happening with you and what your background was kind of, and then we'll just sort of join up to the two of you meeting and starting the process? It's interesting because I was probably in the purest state as, ever as a martial artist at that time because um, we had just closed the one school that we had struggled to keep open. Uh, you know, L.A., the rents and, and the dynamics of Los Angeles are, are just insane sometimes. And um, I was training really, really, really hard. And Brian came to the class. You had actually talked about the show a couple of times, but he really got my attention because he was so dedicated and picked up the material. And the material is not easy. And he had a good memory and um, he paid his dues on time. <laughs> Huge. And also, Brian, I don't know if you know, but I, I did also take some classes with uh, Siku Kisu in the park through my, my boy, Adam Gifford, Adam G. Shout out yeah. to Adam G who was studying with Kisu for a while. And I went, I went out there, took a few classes before I, this even happened. I was like, oh my That's God, so cool. Kisu. So he's kind of, Kisu's like kind of like a local LA legend uh, to, to, to some degree. I did not know that. I was enjoying it. And it was helping me really get into the mindset of you know how we might bring this art form into our art form and, and how we might pull this off in, in TV. And... So at a certain point, you know, I had some more kind of artwork depicting the bending. And when we had our, Kisu and I sat down after class and had our first creative meeting, you know, my hunch that this person could be creative with this and imaginative um, paid off right away. He, he, he saw it, he got it, and he was like, you know, Hank could create tornadoes and this and that. And then Kisu was, you know, as we have said many times, is the person who said, we should use a different style for each element. And he understood my concern about, you know, the subtlety issues. And so he curated the main styles that we would assign to each culture, you know. And, and the idea was that, sure, these fantastical cultures were inspired by real world cultures, but they were not allegories for them. They were not direct re representations of them. And the idea was that these cultures had grown up, had developed around an element as the element was sort of their defining characteristic and and sure within that culture there are all sorts of people and personalities and but we wanted the element to sort of uh, the the bending to reflect that and kisu was the one that really put that together with you know tai chi for water and, and bagua for air and we used hungar for earth uh, and later southern uh, praying mantis for Toph, and then and then we we kept the northern Shaolin for the fire nation because that seemed like a really good fit now there was you know we borrowed across the lines and from other martial arts as well but those were the main sort of kind of assignments brian and i had talked about in the, i guess chinese martial art and medical theory uh, about the five elements theory of earth air water fire wood we talked about metal early on too before Toph had fully developed. I want to mention Master uh, Manuel Rodriguez, who, um, yeah, who did the stuff for Toph. Uh, and I introduced Brian to him a couple of times. I think he had smacked Brian in the chest or something. Brian was like, hey, this guy's good. <laughs> well, when we brought people in, and when Kisa was there, I didn't want any of the other animators getting hurt. Right. So I would just 
volunteer. So I got beat up by everybody. And he, he got hurt a couple of times too by accident. <laughs> Kisu, did you have an opinion about how martial arts were being represented in TV and film? And, and had you seen it in animation before? Like, was that something you came in with opinions on? Or was it really about the inception of, of this concept with Brian? I actually had a lot of opinions. And, and the thing that attracted me most about Brian, Brian showed me his storyboards for the pencil test. And um, the angles that they were drawn and the perspectives that they were drawn um, were so um, inspiring that I was like, wow, if I, if I was an artist, I would have drawn it this way. And I, like, I, he, so he caught my attention right away and I could see that he had a vision. And let, let me, before I answer that question, let me be clear here. The, the, the true martial art um, force behind this entire thing is Brian. Brian had a vision that he wanted to see. We kind of articulated that together. Thank you. And when we were talking about this and Brian talked about all the detail he wanted to do and it, people that don't know, that's really animation intensive, right? And and I think what animators get the same amount per page in some places to, to animate just yeah. the most simplest thing. And so to, to, to draw these details of someone standing, someone stepping, someone taking a breath. I don't, we, we, we talked about breathing. I don't think that had ever been in anything. Yeah. And so we incorporated all these um, elements and, and took this time. People don't really understand the time. There was a lot of work. I'm kind of a happy-go-lucky, you know, easygoing guy. And uh, Brian is, he's one of the hardest workers I've ever met. I mean, he was, you know, doing 14, 18 hour days um, in the beginning on Avatar. And um, you go, brother. <laughs> well, thank you. And, you know, I'll, I'll get more into the actual like consultation process and how we broke that down. But I now remembering, yeah, that pencil test, that was something um, I was working on with some friends. And it was, uh, again, I think it was before we had our contract signed. Mm -hmm. And that was my first, I had been studying with Kisu for several months by this point. And this was my my attempt to take what I had learned in the class and to translate it into animation. And this wasn't, these weren't just storyboards. We fully animated yeah. this scene. And it honestly, it, it felt like, because I was such a, a new student to this martial art and I had not drawn martial arts before very much, I felt like I was writing an essay in a language I barely knew like I felt like I was in intro to Spanish and I had to write a full essay and so it was a huge challenge for me but I really paid attention to everything Kisu taught and not just movement and and oh this is how you do this move correctly but all of the concepts behind it and these are the things that I wanted to weave into the not only the animation but into the storytelling and so eventually down the road getting these concepts across to the writers and the storyboard artists um, and the animators was really a big part of it and and to be clear like especially in the first season when we were just trying to get everything worked out and trying to get everyone on the same page I mean I watch a lot of that early animation and it's, it's pretty rough and I'm surprised people like <laughs> our show and think the the martial arts is cool because there's a lot of them that fell very far short of our goals <laughs> but I, I i think you know the further you get along it starts to to work itself out and starts to become really cool but one thing we did was to for a little while we had kisu come and teach the artists so he was teaching in the nickelodeon gymnasium we had like this late in-house layout team and again i wanted the artists to feel what these poses felt like 
And that informs your drawing. You'll, you'll draw things differently if you have a muscle memory, you know, if you have some, some body awareness. And that'll keep it from just being generic stuff that's kind of just copied off the TV. That definitely made a difference at that point. Yeah. And Dante, you said you kind of remembered Kisu being around and the conversations well, about yeah. that. Well, it, yeah. I remember Kisu being around, and I also remember talking about martial arts while we were doing the show, talking about yoga. We were talking about the different things we were studying. So it was, it was a very different kind of experience because all these elements were around, and we were actually discussing them. And, and you know, again, even as an actor, it influences what you're doing acting-wise. And so it's just one of those kind of fascinating things how, how Brian, you kind of put it all together. And, and, and when I talk about the show and people talk about Asian representation and, and, and ethically, the way Mike and Brian approached it, what we really want is with some respect and going about it and being detailed about what you're doing and not coming from a place of like, you know it all, or you're trying to just put your perspective on this world. And the, the conversations that we had through the whole kind of like even recording we we would have these conversations on the side and whatnot so uh, I love that and and I've also been to cons with with, with Kisu there without Kisu there where people were talking about the martial arts and how detailed I remember one fan was telling me I guess they were a tight they're a student of Tai Chi and they were explaining the breathing like you guys were talking about and I and I believe it was while he was opening the mm. gates uh, of, of, yeah. of the air temple and they're like, I've never seen anyone do Tai Chi. Like that was the, that was real. That was our Tai Chi. And I was like, Well, the amazing. Like that whole idea. Know? And thank you, by the way, Dante. But that the whole the, this notion that you know this concept that hopefully came up again and again in the show. And, and you know, I know Iroh says it at one point, but about the breathing. I mean, that that was what Kisu and I early early meetings where we talked about what this would be like. And I, I think I. You know, I probably talked about how the idea is that bending in this world is not magic. We kind of exemplified that worldview through Sokka very early in the first episode where he kind of writes it off as magic water and Katara corrects him. It was a way to sort of get this bit of exposition, you know, of, of the way it's perceived. Process. Yeah, there's process and that the Kisu always talked about it. This this energy has to come from. He always said, "Comes from goes to. like to the point that John John Carlo so would always though. would joke and, and he'd go, "Comes it's from, two. goes to." But we always said like, the energy can't just come from nowhere. And that was a big, you know. Though I loved uh, Lord of the Rings and, and and stuff like Harry Potter, the magic in that world, I just there weren't any clear rules, mm. and I didn't understand just waving where a wand. was this energy coming from. Yeah. Why could one wizard tap into more energy than another? They just seemed to be reciting a word and pointing a wand. It was, seemed more like a gun to yeah. me. So we wanted to make it more that it was a physical process. It was very much the elements, like these physical things. And so Kisu really instilled this idea that all movement, all intention has to start with a mm. breath. And, and that that was how they gathered their their chi or their you know their ki whatever it is their energy their life force energy and then direct it somewhere and and then we talked about how that energy had to actually emanate from their body it had to radiate out from their body they couldn't just look at a mountaintop or even imagine a mountaintop halfway across the world and just cause it to fall down they had to actually extend their energy to that element in front of them and 
the the now you could say well someone like Toph who is a greater more powerful bender than others she is able to exert more of her energy further away mm. for a longer period of time mm-hmm. and but this is again there's no bottomless resource of this they are corporeal human organisms they get tired yeah. they get hurt uh you know maybe they didn't have their morning coffee um <laughs> they all of these things will impede their bending it is a physical process you know and and we so we try to keep it away from being too magical um and so a lot of that came to the breath and to this the physical process and kisu would say even if a firebender is just gonna you know make a little torch it's not just a snap of the finger. you know it's it's got to like come from somewhere in the body and, and result in that so so that was the the thought process getting everyone to get on board with this is another story you know it's very challenging in a tv production but but i think mostly somewhat pulled it off listen i will say you did to the untrained eye at least and i know dante agrees with me but i feel like that's established absolutely in the first episode we already have a sense of the rules of the world we see ang I mean, even if we don't know what it is yet, we see Aang's exhaustion after the Avatar state. Uh, We see Iroh talking about breaking someone's root. You just feel the kinetic and dynamic energy of all of that stuff so early on. And I mean, just as another example, like, like, like Omashu or Imprisoned, when you see earthbending for the first time, when you feel like you get chills. Right, Dante? I mean, we talk about it. It's like when you yeah. see all that, you're just totally. like, the first time you see any of the bending, you're like, <gasps> like there's a gas because you feel it's, you feel it happening. Yeah. And it's amazing that you guys are talking about it now. That's what the whole Avatar world's about and how that manifests through these martial arts. And uh, it's really, now it's going to be very interesting how we watch this episode. I agree. Because now I'm like yeah. looking at it from another Absolutely. Uh, base. I mean, you guys. I have orange belt, so I was already getting some of it. You were already <laughs> inner circle. You were with. I was already in the orange belt phase of it, but now we're, we're leveling up. Yeah. We revealed all the secret essences of martial arts in this in this little show. One of the other things that made this very unique is we amassed this huge collection of reference, just all these photographic sessions and all these video sessions of um, the stance work and. Um, the transitions between the stances and how geometries would would you know lend to a, a sense of, of of drama, right? But my teacher, before he met Mike and Brian, he was like, he said, he said, were these guys Asian? <laughs> and he thought that a couple of young Asian guys had done this because of all the the, the various uh, spiritual elements and, and the, the attention to detail. And uh, I introduced him to Mike and Brian. He's like, I was really surprised. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't want to, it's done so poorly and so disrespectfully so often that I think people think it can't be done well or better. And if people just don't try to other these things, uh, they don't try to other people and other their cultures and other their their arts and and just try to understand and 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 uh, to respect them. Um, I'm not saying we're perfect or everything we did was perfect, but at least it shows that uh, there are ways for people to talk about other cultures and to work with that in a creative way uh, I would hope it was always really beautiful when you know we Mike and I had our own goals for Avatar and and our kind of concept and it was enriched by so many people writers and 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 artists and 
and um, and consultants like Kisu. But it was also really neat when a concept that that we might have had was mirrored in something really traditional and beautiful. And one one example was, you know, at its core, the idea of the Avatar world is that the Avatar is not an all supreme being from birth. You know, this is a human each time and this human is flawed and though that person might be uh, uniquely talented and prodigious they they have to relearn these things it is not just given to them this knowledge is not just given to them it, this is the the journey the cycle of the avatar this person is reborn and does have the sort of benefit of this uh, regenerated life but has to and can tap into that deep power but as you see with Anne, can't necessarily control it and so Kisu and I talked about this early on and and you know especially at this time there were things in popular media where you know uh, someone just downloads kung fu I know kung fu now you know and <laughs> and that was the antithesis of what we wanted to do you had to earn it you had to learn it mm. and and so and be a one human, specific place we, yeah one specific place we got to to actually like really focus on that was the episode bitter work that came from T kisu teaching us like that one of the maybe i don't know maybe not literal translations but one of the meanings of kung fu is bitter work it is not this magic it is not this oh if you just have this knowledge all of a sudden you have this power it is you have to internalize these things. You have to work through these lessons. And so that was something we, we wanted to get across to the audience, especially a young audience, is that these are not just magical superheroes who were just born, you know, powerful. They, they have to earn these things. That's so beautiful. And it, that again, that comes through so well. There were some amazing outgrowths from, from this series. One of the most surprising, uh, people started to contact me, uh, I think when the show was in its second season, and uh, I had traditional teachers reaching out to me going, we don't know who you are, but for the first time in the history of our school, we have children in the Tai Chi class. Mm. And then, you know, I, I've had That's people awesome. come up to me at different cons and, and, you know, contact me in email and tell me how... You know, they started their martial art training career because of what they saw in Avatar. Or, um, you know, I've had people tell me about all sorts of traumatic experiences from their life where they saw this show and they were, you know, it gave them direction, you know, to move back. So it's it's been an amazing experience to be involved with this. That's really beautiful. That's awesome to hear. We hear that, too. Those cons are the great times to have those those experiences where, I mean, yeah, I could not count how many people have said that they their entire perspective of their own body, their fitness, their confidence, all of that, and the way that they devoted themselves to having a better relationship with their body through martial arts that all came out of Avatar, out of Aang and Korra and everybody else. It's it's mind-blowing. It's so emotional. You know, Korra and Katara inspired a lot of young women to um, start practicing self-defense, which, you know, again, I get all of this amazing feedback from, you know, the world at large about this experience so i think we've contributed to society for sure without, without a doubt without a doubt if we, if we go through the styles and the elements so let's just break it down so me and janet are crystal clear the next time someone asks us we know exactly what to say so i love it of course we'll start with the airbender ang and airbending 
I can't believe you didn't start with fire. I love you, buddy. I think you're really growing. Up. You're really growing. There's a lot of growth happening. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to that fire. We're going to get to that fire. <laughs> Let's start with that airbender. The air comes from Bagua. Loose, loosely. Loosely. That was the hardest, <laughs> I will loosely. say. That was the hardest one. And because to... Bagua is more flowy. Very spiral, more... right? Spiraling, circling. It, it's, it's built on the model of the, the yin and yang surrounded by the eight trigrams. And the eight trigrams are a clock, more or less, that, that chart from the soft to soft to the hardest hearts, from substantial to insubstantial, right? Yes, right. That's right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> the, 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 the circle walking is represented by the, the eight steps around the outside of the yin and yang. And then the yin and yang represents when you're standing still and, and, and you know, projecting to the outside of the circle. It's very complex. It's very esoteric. It's very mathematical in nature. It's a compass. It's a chart to organize your home. It's, um, what's the word? Uh, geomancy. Yeah, yeah. Like um, the, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was the most obscure of the arts. Like it was the least, you know, known to a Western audience, I would say, at least myself. Um, and it was, for me, the most interesting one because you know, I had never heard it. I had never heard of it i had never seen it it was so interesting and i thought wow what a cool unique uh discipline and it made so much sense for ang and his people because they really wanted to avoid conflict so it was very much about evading just sort of like neutralizing offense and spinning redirecting and getting out of the way it wasn't about meeting a force head on the the challenge was i mentioned it a minute ago it was the most difficult for the artists and the animators and and i i i we might have gotten a move here and there that i that i think got good but anytime we tried to depict the circle walking this is like feature animation level stuff and, and we just it was hard yeah. so i apologize to all the bagua uh pe- practitioners and experts out there we, we we did our best at least maybe we kind of opened the door for further investigation i don't know but I'm self-conscious about that one. And that's not my speciality either. But we tried. It was cool because uh, it really, it did have so much spiral and circular movement. And that really led to this, the, the tornado type uh, movements that Aang would do. And, and um, so that was cool. But, but we did end up borrowing some more kind of straightforward, much more linear movements from other disciplines a lot of times frank just kind of out of necessity some of the (laughs) first sessions we did in terms of developing the martial arts we kind of did in my backyard right brian was asking me about you know what would the airbender do in this circumstance and i ad-libbed a bunch of stuff um you know in, in terms of trying to create this fantasy magic and this this evasive footwork you know tai chi kisu very astutely thought that would be very good for water bending we were feeling our way in the dark yeah and i i'm not a of course not a tai chi expert and that one was the hardest one for me when we did do sequences um in class and and uh but this is a very layperson's explanation but in in a very water-like way you you i think in tai chi you rarely are planted you are rarely sort of like all on one foot or all on the other and so there's there's just this mm. constant flow. And so that obviously poetically, you know, translates to water so well. And and I think that's probably not lost on a lot of 
Tai Chi training and visualization. I mean, even in some movies I've I've watched, you know, some some great stuff from Hong Kong cinema. There, they they related. And then with a child doing it. Yeah, and get them started young. It is a funny thing is when growing up, no one wanted. We didn't, none of us wanted to study Tai Chi. That's the old people in the park doing Tai Chi. Like we're not doing that. But then you talk to Tai Chi masters, and they're like. You know, at the youth, you're going to probably get your butt kicked. But by the time you master it, you're going to be kicking everyone else's butt. I was like, oh, it only takes 50 years? Only 50 years. But you're moving so slow. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to learn it. And, um, you know, when I, I, I did learn it and when I, I was still competing at the time uh, and I'd go to these, you know, tournaments and be fighting and uh, find myself throwing people across the ring using, you know, ward off or, you know, um, redirecting an attack using um, rollback and then using press and knocking a guy off his feet again. I started to see the value of this. It's uh, Tai Chi is really, um, it's 13 moves for throwing someone across the room <laughs> or slamming them down on the floor. It, it, it's, it's, it looks gentle, but it is, there's some really nasty stuff contained therein. And it translates across the entire martial art platform. So that was a good one. And then for Earth, Kisu thought uh, Hungar would be a good one to use as the main inspiration. And again, we, we, we peppered in, you know, some, some other influences. Um, but kind of like Shao, Northern Shaolin, Hungar had very big kind of clear movements that I think translated well to, mm -hmm. to animation. And so when we did, you know, that, these kind of deep stances and deep digging, you know, that, that really... On a, on a kind of like visceral level made people really think. And that was the thing. We, we didn't want it to be yes. like, oh, this person can just levitate a giant boulder with their finger. You wanted to feel like they were somehow lifting it, you know, with their own yeah, yeah, yeah. physical strength, um, even if it was, you know, beyond something they could normally pick up. So, you know, again, that was the, the trying to keep it away from being too magic wand and, and being much more of a physical um, process and and uh, and then obviously we we brought in um, Sifu Manny for a specialized style because we thought oh this would be cool if Toph has her own style and Kisu I had seen Manny do a demo at a, a martial arts tournament that I took part in uh, as as one of Kisu's students and I was like oh that's a cool style so we just had you know our character uh, Toph blind uses sonar and earthbending to see and um we brought sifu manny in and that was the story case was talking about i didn't want anybody i had seen man manny demo his martial art on someone and i knew it was pretty brutal so i volunteered but i'm like a buck 25 so soaking wet you know so so i'm standing there and there we have the bleachers in the nick gym and manny does kind of tough signature like three finger kind of whiplash thing and the he fingers, yeah. he does that to my sternum and my chest may it was like a it was like someone hit a drum in the room my my chest made this very bizarre resonation just went boom and all of the animation crew just like everybody gasped they thought he was gonna die <laughs> Something else. I think I got kicked in the shin. Really, if you haven't seen Sifu Manny, he's about three three times my size. Yeah, he's a he's, he's a, a big guy. He's a big dude. He looks like an earth bending yeah. master. That's what he looks like. So he like. kicked my shin pretty good that day. Wait, was all of this being videoed? Pretty sure it's on a hard drive. 
Does that mean that in yeah, in a hard drive that somehow like, we're gonna have to get he earth bit your chest. The scary thing was he was holding back. You know that? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. This was demo level, but uh, th- there was a really neat thing where we he didn't know a ton about the character. You know, we we these were episodes we were working on still, and uh, when we told him about Toph, he he was like, "Oh, the legend is that our style, you know, the origin story is that it was created by a blind woman." And we were like, ah. A blind nun, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah so more really cool synchronicities. Serendipity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then lastly, for the main styles, is the style that Sifu Kisu did you know, focus his training on was Northern Shaolin. And, and as I mentioned in the beginning, that was, that was what led me to him. Um, so, yeah, I, he, he can certainly speak to that style for fire. That, that style has... Um... <laughs> dictated the path of my entire adult life. I, I had no idea what I was getting into. I, I guess around the early 1900s, there was an effort towards standardization in China of the various martial arts. I think there was, um, um, there was a huge competition in like 1917 of uh, tens of thousands of participants. And out of that, there were 15 winners. And out of those 15, I think 10 of them were recruited um to start this martial art institute at Nanjing, where they brought some of the major styles together, the Northern Shaolin, the, um, the Tai Chi, Bagua, um, and, and these famous, famous masters. This was like before guns, you know, where your life depended on your ability to, you know, work a stick or swing a sword or, or you, know, you know, move your fist in a certain way. And so these guys came together and standardized all of these different styles and, and turned them into teachable systems right because before that you know most teachers were illiterate and uh so it was all word of mouth or done in drawings or that sort of thing and um they brought scholars in to catalog and detail this stuff and out of those 15 10 of those masters were known as the 10 tigers uh, more importantly the 10 tigers who went south they were sent all over china to train the militias in the different provinces and um so it's a very rich history and then um the style was made famous by um, great master Gu Yi Cheng, or Guru Zhang. You can find these uh, on the internet. You'll see pictures of him. I showed this to Brian, breaking a stack of 12 unspaced bricks. I mean, these legendary uh, movements where he, he was reputed to be able to break any brick in the stack. Some of the rules of martial art are to resist durably and to hit forcibly, right? And so he practiced a technique called the golden bell, which we... We kind of played with it, the small golden bell, where he could resist a blow. Um, there, there's pictures of him under a giant chunk of granite. If you don't know how heavy granite is, it's it's one of the most solid stones out there with four students on top hugging each other. There's another one of a card rolling over his chest, and there's one of him bending iron around his forearm. This guy was, you know, like five feet tall and, and just a holy terror for the world, right? Oh my God, I, I get so excited about this stuff, my brain turns off. It's amazing. <laughs> but it's a long, rich tradition. We should probably also talk about the actual process of, you know, that we developed. And, yes, please. You know, it, it started on the, the test pilot. I remember we met out in that same courtyard where we had um, the Avatar premiere some years later. What we basically did was once we got into production, the script would call for some, some action. Maybe it was Marshall, you know, characters might be fighting or sometimes they were just using bending to do something and even those cases where it wasn't a fight we still wanted it to have some 
sort of uh, some credence to it, you know, that there was some physicality to it that that had its own logic. Again, we didn't want stuff to just kind of be mag magic wand stuff. So typically for each episode, there would be three martial arts consultation sessions. And the first one, it was really before the artist had drawn anything. They had the script and maybe they had done a few thumbnails, but it would be the director, the storyboard artists, and usually myself. We would communicate to Kisu what we were looking for. We need something like this. I was hoping it would kind of be something like this. Very often, this was communicated by me jumping around uh, in, in, in a sort of, you know, like I'm not a martial arts master, but I'm trying to communicate something like this, some sort of dynamic movement, you know, or I might have an idea or the director or artist might have an idea. Mm -hmm. And then Kisu would give us some options. You know, he would respond and this was all videotaped and he would say, well, what about this move? What about this move? And kind of give us some options to work with. A couple weeks later, we would have the second session, which was kind of the, the, the meat of it, where the artist would come back, would have drawn some thumbnails and would say, okay, that second move you did, and we'll play the clip. I need that, but I need it from this angle. And could you connect it with this punch or right. something? So the storyboard artists and the directors mm -hmm. and myself were kind of doing the choreography where we were sort of piecing this stuff together from the raw material that mm -hmm. Kisu would give to us. And then he would like, okay, but I got to refine, you know, to get from that move to this move, I need to work out this step or, you know, how about this? And, and so we would shoot it from the specific camera angle that the storyboard artist was drawing. So now we had specific reference from a pretty good angle. If, and then there was a third session if needed where we would revise things or, or, you know, do whatever we didn't capture the first time around. So, the, all of that footage would then be edited to the correct move that we did use from the correct angle. There were keyframes chosen to show the animators. This is the sort of start. We talked all about this, right? The start of the movement, the mechanics of it, you know, the breath, all of that stuff. And then all of those materials were sent along with the storyboards to give the animators some movement reference. Now, most of the time, this was not rotoscoped. If you don't know what that term is, that's where you trace live action footage and it just, that's how you get your animation. There's a few where I'm like, oh, that's Kisu. Like sometimes I can see that the, the, the animator, <laughs> he, Kisu has very oh, specific cool. proportions. And there's sometimes where I'm just like, Ah, those are his hands. There's one in the uh, the prison in the the prison scene. There's this one movement. I'm like, yep, yeah, that's that's just Kisu. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. That was rotoscoped. But <laughs> for the most part, for the most part, it was just drawing reference. You know, it was it was it was just layout reference and animation reference, and that was always the goal. You know, you wanted them to not trace it. You, you want them to re reinterpret it and bring it into the animation sphere. It was organic. It was fractal, though, the way this occurred. It was, um, I have very fond memories of, of these sessions. Brian would draw me out. If I would have just been directing this on my own, it would have been, wouldn't have been half as good. This guy, he knew what he wanted to see. And I was kind of a curator, you know, I, I, again, I was, I was not coming at it from an expert's point of view, but I was sort of like, like a music producer who's not a, a musician or a recording engineer, but, you know, can sit there and, and kind of direct the dynamics, you know? And, and then there was, you know, the, the, the point that we weren't making 
just people punching each other these each fight we approached as a story um and we were always trying to break it down into three chunks you know like three act structure in 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 any of the more sustained fights and there was always some emotional thing behind it and there was always some story thing so these characters aren't just fighting because it's that time of the episode we tried to make it that character a is trying to achieve something or trying to defend someone or is has their backs against the wall or something and and there's history there and and we talked a lot about what kinds of moves like for you know season two but like azula like how would she move what would what would be different about her essence and and her her physicality Mm. and and so there were a lot of those discussions you know and a lot of jumping around getting sweaty in the middle of the day and then having to go to some storyboard meeting or something or getting injured injured (laughs) (laughs) when you started to get stuff back that was animated did that inform decisions that you made in the future like oh that translated so well that's something that we're gonna kind of put into the quiver for upcoming stuff and then was there stuff that kind of fell off naturally that was like oh this this seemed like it made a lot of sense but when we saw the way it was animated it didn't quite translate the bagua stuff you know it was it was (laughs) not only was bagua hard to draw and just hard to translate um you know there's there's like lateral movement and there's sagittal movement you know sideways and just just kind of cardinal directions like that kind of thing is i don't want to say it's easy but it's it's something people can grasp drawing a human being in perspective is challenging enough you know and making them move around in a believable way is it's hard enough just doing pedestrian movement getting this person to then do these these martial geometries with their body and and to show this physicality is even on these cardinal directions is a challenge now say okay this person needs to be walking in a spiral you know and and like on a tv budget <laughs> and then ooh, changing direction unfortunately that was really challenging we tried a few times i think that one we started moving away from that because we just thought it's a great idea it's a beautiful art but i can't even do it physically how are we going to get you know draw it but the other thing was we were just always trying to raise the bar and you know i think it was like sure we saw what might have worked but it was we just kept trying to do better scenes and cooler movements because we, we didn't want to just rehash the same stuff there were a couple of movements in cora where we we actually really got it well like the uh, sw- the swinging doors scene and some of the spirals that she was doing were just took my breath away I was trying to make up for our, you know, past shortcomings. Um, I think we did better. I don't know that we knocked it out of the park, but that's lovely to hear. Thank you. But yeah, we, um, you know, and then we just had some other people join the crew later down who uh, down the line, you know, like uh, Lauren Montgomery and Joaquin Dos Santos. And they brought a whole, they kind of elevated everyone's game. Um, you know, Joaquin in particular, he has trained martial arts for much of his life and he's just a huge fan of action cinema and action animation. And he's, he has really broken it down in terms of dynamics. So your question, Janet, about like figuring out what worked, it wasn't so much like this move or that move, but it was like ways of portraying these things, ways of framing them. So they have the most impact. And so that they, uh, in this medium of hand-drawn animation, they kind of have the best chance of uh, communicating you know energy and 
and strength and, and stuff. And then we have to point out the incredible effects animation. You know, we keep talking about the martial arts, which is is obviously the, the main point here, but we were very lucky to work with people like UJ and Young and many others who are some of the most incredible 2D effects animators. If you aren't aware, the idea of a travel show, which has new designs, new locations, new characters, almost every episode, where there are multiple action scenes in every episode, and where those action scenes include hand drawing water, fire, dust, and wind blowing people's hair and clothing. And th- oh my I have just come up with the recipe for the most unsustainable animated TV production. <laughs> And the thing is, Mike and I knew better. We knew I better, but that the, oh. that was the idea we came up with, and we thought, well, we'll just try to come up, you know, build a production around this. But um, but I just want to point out those those amazing animators that then made this stuff look cool and made the effects look really cool. Well, most of the time, the, that that behind the scenes, the behind the scenes interviews where you really get a sense of the animators and they were interviewed and it's uh, it's really wonderful I, I don't know if everyone's had a chance to see it but you really get the sense I mean they they say that I love how forthcoming they are about it like there's a sense of sort of like it was my favorite show and it was also the show that I, I mean that's me. that's like, my I'm experience like, oh, that, sounds familiar. that sounds like Mike and Brian talking yeah <laughs> exactly and also exactly. with with the with the martial arts and the fighting I mean you guys talk about anime about Akira and Cowboy Bebop, and but also, I mean, I was growing up. I was a big, you know, kung fu theater. Fan, oh yeah, like a big martial arts film fan, and using the martial arts and the comedy and oh, like yeah. the perfect beats that just kind of like gave me the feels of, you know, Five Deadly Den- Venom or you know Master Killer or like and there's like all these other elements that you I just oh. I felt as I'm watching. Kisu, the show, Kisu you know? and I, and especially in these early days when I was first training with him and we were developing the series. We were talking about films, you know, Hong Kong live action action films, yeah. classic yeah. ones, Shaw Brothers stuff, ni- the '90s stuff, which is my favorite. You know, I love the Jet Li and. Didn't we have a couple of yeah. movie days where we sat yeah, down and we watched would, something? I think with the crew, we'd watch yeah. or with the with the other students, we would watch stuff and um, and, you know, I again, I as I said early, I wanted this to be a kung fu series, not. Oh, this is a show that sort of like references kung fu movies and 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 quotes them, you know, quotes them visually. Um, I wanted to get down to the source of that. So, what I was doing in that summer of 2002 was there was still a blockbuster. It was right around the corner from my house that I had with Ben <laughs> Wynn, our, our our future sound designer, and I would. I would drive across LA through traffic to get to Keese's backyard, a train, I'd come home, I would watch these classic Kung Fu films, I would draw, I would frame by frame and draw, you know, the, the martial arts that they were doing so that I could learn these these poses and these geometries and what the clothing would do and, um, you know, during these movements and, and you know, Prodigal Son, that was one that you told me about that ended up being one of my favorite films. Um, that's, I still. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Prodigal yeah. Son. Sammo Hung stuff. I mean, that's just, that's my favorite Sammo Hung. stuff. Sammo Hung. He's still, he, was he is still choreographing <laughs> incredible Master stuff. killer. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know what's wild is like, you know, I'm a hip hop kid, I'm a break dancer. And so we watched all these Kung Fu films and we would, in the 80s, we would watch these films 
and we would incorporate them to how we would do our breakdancing. So there's certain moves that came from martial mm-hmm. arts and that's vice versa. Awesome. And there was even some stuff Zuko did that I was like, that look, that's so much like breakdancing. Like from the floor up, that's like a move that we stole from Scorpion. Back yeah, we the, just talked about that in, in 80s, fact yeah. with, with Jenny. Yeah, yeah there's that he's got that great that during with the Suki fight, the Suki fight. He does like full on from the ground and we still kicking from, and stuff. I was like, that's breakdancing. Yeah, we stole some stuff from these martial arts and these kung fu movies to do our breakdancing. But now as I'm looking online, there's all these new kids just totally taking what you guys animated and bring it into real life, whether they're trying the bending or incorporating into what they're doing. All the, I mean, so many of the different dip- disciplines that you guys drew, I'm seeing people doing it in real life and asking yeah. me to do certain things like the dragon dance. It's like one of the biggest things. Can you do the dragon dance with me? I'm like, uh, let's get this. Show me the video. Let's try to get this down. <laughs> but it's so wild to see how, you know, you get inspired, then you inspire the next generation. Everyone's kind of like repurposing everything that's going on. It's so amazing to see. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think nowadays, well, I know it's having a big resurgence with the sequel series, um, but like Karate Kid, f- for all that you can say about it, that inspired my generation of of Western yeah. kids. I, that's how. Sure. That's why I ran out and signed up as a very young kid. I think it was in sweep second the leg. or third grade. Sweep yeah, don't leg. sweep the leg. Don't you sweep that leg? That is dirty fighting. That's that's when I started. But you know, it had that really big cultural impact and um and we are obviously not the only you know series and we're not the first um but but it is it is neat i i have had through the years as as you all have said it from cons you know people who are either you know really serious about these martial arts maybe trained them before they saw avatar but we're just so excited to see again we know we didn't we didn't always hit the mark, but it, what's been really touching is that instead the, the, the feedback I get or people are like, they just are so excited that to see a, an animation production try and to really like try to work this stuff in and they recognize those little bits. And, and I, I appreciate that there's usually that just an appreciation. Yeah, I think as, as a martial arts fan, you know, even as just an Asian American, we love that you cared enough to approach it in this way because we, you know, I grew up in Hollywood, you bring to Hollywood, the bottom line is making the show and there's a lot of important things, not just the martial arts and not just caring about the cultural significance. I mean, there are important things like story and characters and the art and all that is important. And at the bottom, at the end of the day, the, the studio just cares that you deliver the show and other things can go to the wayside, which we've seen in a lot of series, but I think the audience just loves that you cared enough to approach it in this manner. And that's, and you can feel that baked into every episode. You can, it's whether you know what it or not. Can I talk about the Bending Bible? Yeah. Uh, the Bending Bible is this thing, it's about five or six inches thick of, um, it, and it's all me. <laughs> demonstrating different poses, demonstrating um, different um, essences of, of movement, right? Again, I mentioned it because it, it's, to, to see the thing, it, it's it's an incredible compilation of, of um, the material and and the time that we took to put into this thing. Yeah, I bet when you, I bet that is kind of that, a different way to represent that work. Like you probably, when as it was being compiled, it was like, it's just, well, it's getting bigger. Like, I guess we, we have a lot of references as it's growing and growing as another way of sort of having the perspective of like, wow, we really, 
we really did this. There's a lot of movement. <laughs> there was a problem with cherry picking from from that volume uh, what we were going to use and what we weren't going to use. Is it, I end. wonder if it's out. It's got to be out there somewhere. I mean, I now I'm starting to imagine this sort of Indiana Jones esque like just temple of stuff that we can go in and just raid and plunder and can't have it it's all it's all probably not the case in our secret archives (laughs) the archives since we're not all benders all the time here can you guys touch a little bit on the fighting styles or how you guys approach the fighters that weren't benders like Sokka, suki tai lee may did you guys have a different philosophy in how you approach their fighting styles yeah i mean we just you know there, there were definitely similar conversations, uh, but much more specific. You know, like Mike and I were introduced to that from uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you know, where these pressure points were hit and the oh. characters were sort of <laughs> rendered oh my rendered God, yeah. and temporarily paralyzed. So, it's yeah, terrifying. that was a direct, uh, you know, idea from there. And, and we just brought that to Kisu and talked about, you know, we didn't want it to just be punches obviously it's it's more of hitting these points so we would present that to him and, and he would reach into his deep pa- bag of martial arts knowledge and come up with some cool stuff <laughs> and um you know it was a challenge because especially on the first series um you know the mandate from the network was action without violence um and here we have people shooting fire at each other's heads and and ch- chucking rocks at each other that was a little more fantastical. We could <laughs> we could explain it like it's like two it's people intense. fighting, but we pull them apart and the elements are in between. When it came to something like Sokka, I mean, he just does a spinning heel kick and just clocks a pirate in the head, you know, and like it, it was kind of funny. So we sort of got away with that stuff if it was a little bit funny. <laughs> and they're pirates. They're pirates. With, you know, the Kyoshi Warriors. You, that was a Tai Chi fa- fan oh, amazing. set that we were referencing. I don't know that we stuck to it too close well we could talk to you guys forever obviously but i know that we should start to wrap things up but before we do i know that we would be in a lot of trouble with the fans if we didn't ask kisu a couple of key questions i think we've got a little bit of an answer perhaps with finding out what you were most expert coming into the show in doing and a thing that's only feeding uh dante's fire nation ego yet further no egos but, in the fire uh, nation. It... no egos in the fire nation <laughs> Is that the kind of vendor that you would be? Oh, well, I definitely Fire Nation. Zuko is my hero. I know, but I would argue, Kisu, you're one of the only people that I could say this to. You would probably be an avatar. I mean, hands <laughs> down, you helped develop the styles that you... Out of anyone else we would talk to in this podcast, Janet, I think... You would be allowed to say that. You I, would be allowed to say, why do I have to choose? I would, I would be, be the avatar. avatar. I would be an That's avatar. That's a great point, Dante. Thank you. Well, you know, p- part of the reason why I chose some of the styles that I did were there were people that scared me. My Hungar brothers. Um, there's a big guy, Don Hamby. Um, mm-hmm. Brian met him a couple of times. Don is a yeah, I got to see him guy. at that same... Yeah, at that same tournament, I saw him do a yeah, demo. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, He's got arms as big as my thigh. And this guy would, I mean, crush you. And, um, you know, I, I picked styles that I really respected that were, um, you know, sub-elements in our curriculum. I can't say I'm an expert at anything, I, but I practice every day. You know, since I left Avatar, I still, you know, teach a class here and there. I'm up in Colorado now, and um, I've got a small group here. And um, bringing some of my wisdom and experience to that. Yes, I met some of those students. I met some of those students. That's awesome. 
Oh, this has been such a treat. Anything that people need to know, be aware of, looking out for you in the world of social media, anything like that? Oh, I, I've got a couple of things out there. I, my Sifu Kisu of the Harmonious Fist is up on uh, Facebook somewhere. And um, uh, I've got an Instagram, uh, Lokhopkun, L-O-K-H-O-P-K-U-E-N. Thank you so much for having us. It was It was really fun. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Keith and I met 19 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's been a journey. And um, it's just, you know, you, Dante, you talked about, like, you could tell that we cared about the martial arts. And Mike and I would often look at each other in the middle of, a, you know, some production nightmare or some really late night doing retakes. And we would just say, you know, if we didn't care so much, we could just go home. You know, it was like no one yeah. was knowing <laughs> no know. one was forcing us to do that, but we really did care and we were we were lucky to find a bunch of other really talented, dedicated people who cared as much as we did. And so everyone's passion for this really resulted in some amazing animation and stories and and um even if i'm still self-conscious and critical hypercritical of all of it uh you know i am very proud of brother it. you changed the world with this thing i can't tell you I'm, I'm so grateful and so thankful to have been in a part of this and to be your friend i really appreciate you well, likewise thank you so much well this has been such an amazing episode i know i'm not alone in saying so i cannot wait for everyone to hear this thank you so much brian thank you kisu Looking ahead, everyone will be recapping episode 107 next week, The Winter Solstice, part one. And we'll see everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.